Okay, so last week I said I wasn't doing a review this week. That's obviously bullshit. Didn't know what they had planned for this week. Figured they were going to take the holidays off like AEW did. But definitely, definitely not. I mean, forget A Tale of Two Cities. We've got A Tale of Two Shows. A Tale of Two Locations. A Tale of Both Homes of NXT. And A Tale of Two Debuts. Let's talk about it. I am absolutely filled to the brim with turkey, so let's make it worthwhile. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your, that's right, Christmas Day, December 25th, NXT review. As I said, didn't think I was going to do this this week. Thought they were doing a... Uh, a highlight show this week and they really didn't do a highlight show this week I'm not really gonna talk much about the control center thing that they did with Pat McAfee and Charlie and, and Sam Roberts because they're just they're just obnoxious they're just cut and paste to get us from A to B they they were I don't even want to say they served their purpose because I don't really know what their purpose was their purpose was to get us from full sale to Barclays Center and back again but this is the NXT that was pre-taped at the end of last week's NXT, at the end of last week's SmackDown, it's it's a little bit cut and paste. It's the opposite of what we got last week. Last week was a blockbuster show with blockbuster takeover quality matches, and this was the opposite. This was the absolute NXT variety show, and it knew that, and it, and it played off that, and it kept it a little lighter. It kept a, it kept it a little bit more. Hey, look what we've got over here. Look what we've got over here. Look what we've got over here. You didn't have any of your main players. You didn't have your Adam Coles, your Shayna Baszler's, your Finn Balor's, your Tommaso Ciampa's, your uh, Rhea Ripley's, your Undisputed Eras, other than than Roderick Strong. You didn't have your Pete Dunn's and your Johnny Gargano's. Like I say, you had everything else, and it and it it was just a very very cool thing. In contrast to last week, hey, scrape that top layer off and look what you've got left. It's really good. And uh, as I say, bouncing back and forth between Full Sail and the Barclays Center was a really cool thing because, uh, as they, I mean, they over-referenced it on the night because that's um, just what you do. Uh, Barclays Center was their first home outside of Full Sail. The first takeover outside of Full Sail was Takeover Brooklyn, and then they went on to have several Takeover Brooklyns. So. NXT's NXT's other home is the Barclays Center, whereas uh, WWE's would have been Madison Square Garden back in the day, and they've sort of co-opted the Barclays Center now, have they not? But we start off in the full sale. We start off with Mauro Ronaldo and Nigel McGuinness because Beth Phoenix is is uh, is at the Barclays Center, and they've split the commentary, so that's a bit weird. They show Roderick Strong in the back talking about how somebody's gonna we're gonna change somebody's life tonight, and we're, I'm just gonna show you what I do. And he's walking to the ring. He's kind of walking to the ring and talking backwards to the camera, as if the camera's not really there, or as if the camera is somebody that he just doesn't care much about. But we get Roderick Strong, and it's an open challenge for the North American Championship, and you figure. If you want to nitpick it, he's a heel. He shouldn't be offering out such a free chance like this because he's a heel. You know, he should be the guy saying, oh, if somebody wants to face me, they have to earn it, etc. But it was answered by Austin Theory, and Austin Theory is somebody that I've never actually had to see in the ring before. He, I know he's from 
evolve. And I know he's he's very prominently seen there, and I know he's in in the background of NXT, and he's going to be there. And they want him to be this next this next big thing, not to steal the Brock Lesnar line. Um, anybody that has seen him and knows of him has told me good things about him. This is my first chance to actually see him. And when you think about the other debut we're getting later on in the night, that's the opposite of that, is it not? So we start off, there's a collar and double tie-up and Strong works the arm, works it into a wrist lock, grounded arm bar by Strong, a crucifix pin attempt in the early going and a test of strength. A uh, Strong back to the arm once again and a snapmare by Strong and a side headlock and a snapmare by Theory. Anything you can do, I can do better. You guys know. I love that story. There's a single leg takedown by Strong, a leg and arm lock by Strong turns into a shoving match and they start talking some shit. You know, shoving becomes slapping, becomes punching and, and we go back once again. Drop kick by Theory. Really nice Theory's got a nice dropkick on him, I'll give him that much. Front face lock and a hard Irish whip. Both men trade some strikes in the ring. Once again, slaps turn to punches, turn to hard forearm shivers and, and series of kicks, etc. Single leg trip and a face buster and a moonsault by Theory. And it's all, there's three or four different moves in that stretch, but he made, he made it into one continuous fluid, fluid, uh continuity of, of strikes. They trade some strikes on the outside and Strong manages to hit the uh, the angle slam, which they go out of their way to call the Olympic slam, into the post. And after this, the story becomes Austin Theory's back. In theory, we're working the back. Yes, yes, I did the obvious pun. Uh, Mudhole stomps by Strong and stomps to the midsection, turns him over, stomps to the gut, stomps to the ribs, etc. We're working the midsection, we're working the ribs, we're working the back, it's all good. Fish hooks the nose and gives him a couple good shots to the face. Dropkick by Strong and a surfboard cross-face combination, a series of strikes by Strong and a pendulum backbreaker. And then Mauro Ronaldo goes out of his way to tell us that Roderick Strong is the messiah of the backbreaker. And... Nigel McGuinness, even in his tone, is, is yes, 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 he is. Uh, blockbuster by Theory and a buckle bomb and a modified Ushi Groshi. Now, I will say, one thing I've noticed about Theory, and anybody that's familiar with Austin Theory can tell me if this is a thing of his, any time he went for a lifting maneuver, whether it was for the Ushi Groshi here, for some of the suplexes he did later on, whereas most people it would be a straight lift up and over, he always grapevines the legs. Now, is that an Austin Theory thing or is that something that they were doing in this match because I'm not familiar I need somebody to tell me a step up knee strike by strong in a top rope superplex now here we go a couple really good spots to end this match a torture rack style spin out power bomb by strong a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle bolt by strong a vertical suplex on the apron edge by theory they trade some chops they trade some strikes they trade some kicks they trade some knees there's a really stiff running upper knee by uh, Roderick strong to lead into the end of heartache end of heartache could have gotten the win locks in the stronghold because he can and gets the win this being the first time that I've ever seen Austin theory I really like what I saw I'd like to see him go again he comes off like a bit of a dick so I'm thinking that he's also a heel Again, somebody correct me down in the box below. And is he a heel, cocky face? Is he a tweener? Um, but it it felt very heel versus heel. It felt, in that regard, kind of like Adam Cole versus Finn Balor last week on a much smaller mid-card scale. And as I say, no real investment in Austin Theory because I'm not familiar. Very, very cool match. Went a long time. I think this was the first half hour of the show that they gave to somebody who's making their realistically their television debut so obviously they see a lot in them I see a lot in them too and while they didn't give us a lot of of um, character analysis in-depth whatever they didn't give us a video package ahead of time or anything like that they just let what he did in the ring speak for itself um, I think that's that's one way to go now 
you look at something else on Raw, which is the opposite of that, where they've had Chelsea Green and Deanna Perrazzo in there. Chelsea, uh, Deanna Perrazzo fought Asuka, I think. Somebody correct me, that's two weeks ago now. Um, Chelsea Green had a really decent outing with Charlotte on Raw this past week, which was the taped Raw, and we're not really going to talk about that. Now, they went in and lost after sort of being hyped up. They got video packages, etc. Uh, they were treated with some, some pomp and circumstance, which is nice, but then, realistically, they went in and they got squashed in four minutes. Now, Austin Theory unless you're familiar with Evolve, or unless you followed him in the indies elsewhere, you didn't really get any pomp, circumstance, or introduction, you just had to sort of know that this was a guy from Evolve, and he's going to go in there and do what he can do against Roderick Strong, and if that was the way they went, let the work speak for itself, rather than telling you who he is, they did a really, really good job of that. Want to see more of him? I hope this wasn't a one-off, I hope this wasn't a, a one-off, like, hey, we're doing a pre-taped show, let's just throw somebody in there with Roddy Strong, I hope this is something they're going to build on going into 2020. Going back to... That was wholesale, yep. Gotta love when I'm unsure at the last minute whether I want to crumble up a note or not. Moving on. In the Barclay Center, we've got Beth Phoenix and Tom Phillips on commentary, which is a, which is a decent combination. I like Beth Phoenix. She's fitting into... I, you guys know I love Renee Young. But Beth Phoenix is fitting into that commentary role a hell of a lot better than Renee Young did. And that's with no disrespect. Renee Young has found her niche in that sort of talk show, behind-the-scenes role that she does. I don't watch a whole lot of backstage, but I know the banter that she has back and forth with... Uh, uh, people like Christian and Booker T, and especially CM Punk, who we're going to talk about much later in other videos. Um, she's found her niche there. Beth Phoenix has definitely found her niche here, and I'm really, really happy for her. And Tom Phillips is Tom Phillips. You know what you're going to get. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Jack Gallagher. And I have notes for this, and other than kind of laughing when Swerve hit the Daniel Bryan silly kicks, which I'm not even going to say loudly, because... People are watching movies upstairs. Uh, there wasn't much to this match. Swerve won. You knew he was going to win. You know that WWE kind of see Gentleman Jack Gallagher as a bit of a joke. They've bounced him from the Cruiserweight Classic to 205 Live, to being a jobber on Raw, to being over in UK for a little bit. I don't even think he's been featured very prominently on NXT. But, I mean, it was a decent outing for Swerve. Jack Gallagher is really, really an acquired taste as a wrestler, and... It's kind of sad because I thought I liked him, and then I fell out of favor with his matches. When he was in the when he was in the cruiserweight classic, and he was tying people up in in knots just so that he could kick them in the ass. Um, that stuff that stuff wears thin, and I find him to be a little robotic. And uh, it's really really noticeable when you have somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum who's really really charismatic, like Swerve, who I want to see go really really far. I mean, somebody like him can go really really far. Somebody like um, you know, that jobber that bitched about t-shirts isn't going anywhere because he's psychotic. Moving on. Full sale. Candice LeRae versus Tanera Conte, which should be a squash, which actually kind of decent. LeRae blocks the cheap shot kick to start the match. There's a lariat takedown and a neckbreaker baseball slide by LeRae. Springboard to the outside, a grounded sleeper by Conte, some rolling arm drags and some rolling hip tosses. A choke on the ropes by Conte, double knees in the corner to follow up with that. Insiguri by LeRae, a spinning slam by Conte, body shots in the corner by LeRae and a missile drop kick. A step-up senton springboard moonsault combination gets the win for LeRae. Now, Conte in the past little while, has just been sort of a warm body for other wrestlers in the NXT Women's Division, and it just, um, I hope that changes for her eventually, but for now, she's good in that role, and 
Candice LeRae they need to do something with. Candice LeRae has been in storylines. Candice LeRae has been the underdog challenger that we know isn't going to win the title. She hasn't really had a firm story of her own, so she at least needed a match like a Tanera Conti match to remind you what she can do. And like I say, that step-up Sinton into the springboard moonsault uh, to finish it off was really cool. Now, if they went back to the Mae Young Classic once again, which I'm going to reference once again, um, when she was using Mitchell Ray's Wild Ride as a finishing maneuver, that could be could be fun as well, because basically everybody, or almost everybody, that is relevant in the NXT Women's Division has come from the Mae Young Classic, so you could have built-in storylines with people that they fought at the Mae Young Classic if you want to show history and you want to show a past and you want to build from stuff that's already there. I mean, look what it did for Pete Dunne in the first UK tournament. People, people still reference that one moment when they're all on the stage and he took out his competitor... Um, I can't think of who it was. I think it might have been Jordan Devlin. Somebody's going to correct me down in the box below. Um, but yeah, if she wants to go back to that and start using Miss LeRae's Wild Ride, that's cool. But like I say, the, the modified Centon into uh, into the Moonsault is a nice, you know, significant way to finish off a match, especially against somebody, as I say, like uh, Tanera Conte, who's not really seen as much of a uh, competitor of note, which is really, really unfortunate. Because she has that martial arts background, that Brazilian jiu-jitsu background that makes her style a bit different, she's a lot more striking-based, and you can do a whole lot of different things with her just because she's so different, but they just don't, and it's kind of unfortunate. Like I say, she's a bit of a warm body, and even at the end of tonight, she's not going to be the woman we're talking about, is she? Um, yeah. Sorry, lost my place in my notes once again. Going back to the Barclays Center, we have a battle of the rising stars in NXT because they keep reiterating that we're going to talk about the NXT awards and who's nominated for the rising star, who's going to be the future star of NXT, all that sort of thing. So we've got Dominic Dijakovic, which is a name I still can't stand, versus Bronson Reed, who's a lot of fun. There's a collar and double tie-up, and they have, there's a lot of big, like... Godzilla versus King Kong style. So, sorry, I had no voice last week when I did my review, and you guys know how excited I was about that. This week I still have no voice, and it's Christmas. And Merry Christmas to those of you that celebrate Christmas. Happy holidays to the rest of you. I hope you guys are having a good holiday season. I'm really, I'm really enjoying doing the NXT reviews this year because you guys know normally I take December off because it's just something I do on this channel. Uh, if you're listening in podcast form, you probably don't know that. Um, but I decided not to this year because NXT decided to actually make December wrestling worthwhile. So that might be a thing going forward, but it's Christmas Day and I'm full of turkey, as I mentioned before, and I still don't really have much of a voice. So if I'm not as animated as I want to be, I do apologize. Um, but there's a lot of good, like I say, Godzilla versus King Kong, Irresistible Force versus Immovable Object type stuff in this match. Collar and Time and a side headlock by Dijak, and he's got him in a side headlock forever. The amount of times Reed tries to reverse out of it, or power out of it, or turn it into something else, and he gets pulled back in. It's that old, um, it's that old snake metaphor where it's the boa constrictor, the animal just the animal just struggling within the grips of the boa constrictor and all that sort of thing. I'm making that reference, and we're not even talking about Randy Orton moving on. Headlock is reversed by Reed, and gets pulled back into the side headlock once again by Dijak. Shoulder block stalemate between both men. They both hit shoulder blocks on the other one. Neither one can move the other, and then they both try to do it at the same time, and you can't move. You know what it is. You know it's a little bit cliche, but when there's big guys like this that can do it properly, this is as good as Dijak's stuff with Keith Lee, and 
I'm really a fan of Bronson Reed. I think he's a lot of fun, so it's all good. They trade some shots, and there's finally a knockdown by Reed. Reed sits on the back of Dijak, which is funny. I heard somebody mentioning a little while ago on social media that just having Reed sit on the back of somebody and have them selling it like it's death is making fun of his weight, when really it's just playing around with reality. He's heavier than his opponent, so it would feel like death. That's real, and he's the one doing it, so he can't be upset about it. Anyways... People on social media are stranger than not. Atomic drop by Rita, bionic elbow, and a hip attack. A snap suplex by Rita, toss suplex by Dijak. There's several times throughout this match where Dijak tries to go for the throw, and he just can't do it. Combination of Bronson Reed being heavier, Bronson Reed having the lower center of gravity, and the fact that he's had his back worked on the whole goddamn match. But a headbutt by Rita, boot by Dijak, a moonsault, a second rope. I can't read my own writing. A second rope that is pressed by Reed, but... Uh, he gets cut off. There's a choke bomb by Dijak. Now, Dijak goes for the choke bomb, and he can't do it with his one hand because his hand is sore. His hand is sore because I didn't write it in my notes. There was a point in this match where he went to choke slam uh, Bronson Reed, and Bronson Reed headbutted him in the hand, which was a very awkward-looking maneuver. And sometimes awkward equals painful, so it was a nice, interesting story to tell. And it's not something you see that often, uh, is a headbutt to the hand, a headbutt to the wrist specifically. But it worked because he had that momentary hesitation of he had to switch hands. But he did switch hands. He did get a uh, choke bomb on Bronson Reed from the second rope. He did eventually get the win. He The story of this match was he went for the Feast Your Eyes a couple of times and could not get the Feast your eyes because of the damage to the back he had to go to something else and this offhand off the second rope um, choke bomb was his alternative to not being able to hit his proper finisher so there is a shot in the arm for Bronson Reed in the regard of he had to make his opponent change up his offense that much I really would have liked it if Bronson Reed had gotten the win here. Dijak can afford it. Dijak has been in and around some of the main eventers in NXT for a little bit now. Bronson Reed has not, and he, he could have used that exposure, but, I mean, it is what it is. We saw a preview for... Worlds Collide, which is happening before the Royal Rumble instead of a random bog-standard takeover. Difference being, I wouldn't mention this ad again because it's just it's just a thing that's happening, and I'm happy that it's happening, and I'm looking forward to it. But they announced the main event. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I think they've taken Worlds Collide to a whole different level of anticipation, at least for me, because the main event is an eight-man tag. It's the Undisputed Era taking on Imperium. More importantly, the UK champion... Walter, guy that looks like Michael Hamlet from What Culture, yes, that's the running joke, taking on Adam Cole, who's the NXT champion, and his guy. It's going to be fantastic, is it not? Because at some point in that match, you're going to see a, a straight-up square down between Cole and Walter, and that's going to be good. Walter should not have been eliminated from the Survivor Series as soon as he was, should he? But that is a heck of an announcement to make before the end of the year. And speaking of the end of the year, I think it's fair to say, I mean, the Wednesday Night at War has sort of had some ups and some downs. NXT hasn't uh, won the night as much as they probably should have, in my opinion. But a little bit of a spoiler, I think NXT won the night tonight. Oh, yes. And, I mean, you had the guy in the Dark Order just punching the air who became a meme. And... Uh, Let's face it, a lot of the people involved in AEW got famous by becoming a meme, did they not? Let's switch over to somebody that's a little bit more than a meme, but a little bit more than annoying as well, and that's Bianca Belair. We got yet another video package for Bianca Belair. 
Now, as I've said a hundred million times, and I promise you I will say it again in 2020, I have nothing bad to say about Bianca Belair in the ring. She's a fucking freak of an athlete. She's amazing in the ring. She's amazing um, athletically, endurance-wise, in-ring-wise, on the mat. Everything she does as a competitor is great. Her gimmick still sucks. The hair thing still sucks. Her character still sucks. I never want to hear her on the microphone ever. The character Bianca Belair is crap. The wrestler behind the character is phenomenal. And we know that. I don't need to see another video package, another video package, another video package. Especially when the only reason we're getting this video package is because she is taking on... Take a deep breath. Relax. Soak it in for a second. The debuting Shotzi fucking Blackheart. Oh yes. Kept her name. Um, that I've known her from on the indies from watching her in Destiny and yes I'm biased because she wrestled for Destiny um, she's still got the same image she's still got the same look they gave her some decent entrance music the the uh, the carnal howl that she does on the indies she's doing in the NXT arena and people are doing it with her this is back in full sale so if any crowd is going to know her it's going to be the, the crowd in full sale is it not but to hear them do the howl with her as she came out and throughout the match as well and get behind her the way they did especially with somebody who is as popular as Bel Air is was fucking fantastic and it was not a squash I looked at this I read the spoilers that this was happening I did not read the spoiler results I looked at that and I said Shotzi, Shotzi Blackheart versus Bianca Belair she's going to have a really good match and she's not going to win. And what happened? She had a really good match. And she didn't win. Which is a bit of a bummer. But here we go. Call her a double tie up and Bel Air denies the handshake to start. Because Shotzi does this, this overdramatic sort of punk rock. Um, you know, we've had one or two shots at each other. Now I'll shake your hand. And Bianca Bel Air just kicks it away. There's a series of takedowns and an armbar by Shotzi. A tackle by Bel Air. Can I tell you how happy I am just to see the name Shotzi Blackheart in my notes? Because I'm a mark. I don't care. Tackle by Belair and a slap by Shotzi and a near fall. Head scissor by Shotzi and a senton against the ropes, which was cool. She head scissored her almost into a... Um Imagine, I mean, you don't have to imagine because you probably saw the match if you listening to this review, but if for some reason you didn't, imagine the position that people are in for the 619, except she was draped on the top rope. And uh, so Shotzi Blackheart came in and hit her with the cannonball like, uh, like a Kevin Owens would, except it was against the ropes. There was some rebound to it. She wasn't trapped in the corner. A little bit different and really, really effective. Face buster on the apron by Belair, followed by a neck vise. Shoulder tackle by Belair, a boot by Shotzi and a little bit of a beat down in the corner, a choke on the ropes by Belair, a headlock and a clothesline, a boot by Shotzi and a second rope roll-up attempt. She came off the ropes, rolled her up and rolled her into a, a uh, pinfall attempt, boot by Shotzi, uh, body shots by Shotzi, a corner splash and a reverse sling blade which was really good, rolling face buster by Shotzi, corner spears by Belair, a boot by Shotzi and an over the top rope tornado apron DDT which was fucking beautiful and almost botched by Belair, but I'm not going to mention that because they got it back in the ring, ended it off quickly with a KOD, Belair gets the win, but more importantly, Shotzi Blackheart exists in the canon of televised NXT. I'm a really, really happy kid. I'm not going to get too bummed out by the fact that she didn't win her first match because it means both the people that debuted tonight didn't win their first televised matches on NXT, which is uh, questionable. The first one was a title match. Roderick Strong is going to keep that belt, obviously. Shotzi Blackheart could have won here and would have done her no, no 
no end of, of good. I'm going to go back to what I said about the Dijak and Bronson Reed match. Dijak would not have been hurt by a loss to Bronson Reed, but he could have gained so much from it. The same could be said here for Shotzi Blackheart. I, I really, really want good things for her. Not only because I'm biased, but because she is a badass. And she is different. I mean... There's not a lot of Barbie dolls in NXT right now anyway, but she's so antithetical to the what most people think WWE looks for, you know, the Barbie dolls and Charlotte Flair is only where she is because she's blonde and she's Ric Flair's daughter, whatever whatever people say on social media. But there is a Barbie doll stereotype, and Shotzi Blackheart is so far the antithesis of that that um you know, for me, she does fall into the same category as people like Lita, people like Ruby Riot, people like Sonya Deville, people like Nikki Cross, people like Paige. I want what seems like the following that she had going in there tonight to continue. I want the excitement that I have for her from seeing her at Destiny to continue. I do not want to see them bring her in and, and job her out. That would bum me out a lot. Super excited to see this. This is going to be the thumbnail. A little bit of a spoiler. I'm doing this Christmas night. You guys aren't seeing this until Boxing Day anyway. The, thumb, the thumbnail you would have seen. So I'm time traveling in my speech right now. Super excited to see Shotzi Blackheart in NXT. Super, actually super excited to see um, Austin Theory as well, because it's nice to see somebody new that is so highly thought of and see what I think compared to what other people have told me. Um, and he did good, and she did good here. And some of the stuff, I, I want to go back through it once again, that, that Tornado DDT over the top rope to the apron was really cool. The the flipping reverse face buster thing that she did, the, the cannonball senton against the ropes, um, nothing that breaks the mold, nothing that is entirely new territory, but different enough to be different. And that's, and that's why I like Shotzi Blackheart, and that's why I was really excited for you guys to all see somebody that I've been talking about on my Destiny videos for a long time. But, I've gushed long enough about Shotzi Blackheart, I will gush more about her in the future. Obviously, let's go back to the Barclays Center for the main event, it's a really weird tag team match, and it's Damian Priest and Tony Nese taking on Leo Rush and Keith Lee. So, Keith Lee, oh, Rush. Yeah, I'm not going to make jokes because I'm tired. Um, Nese and Rush start. They they did get a, a pretty damn good reception in the Barclays Center. Everybody's... Leo Rush and Keith Lee are over as fuck individually, let alone as a tag team. Nice and Rush start the match. There's a quick tag to Priest, you know, a little bit of switch him up, a little bit of mind games. A choke by Priest, a slap by Rush, a kick to the face, kicks to, the kicks to Lee by Priest, a series of strikes. Huge crossbody by Lee, because that's what he does. Nice chases Leo and get pounced over the commentator table by Keith Lee as he comes around the other way. As we go to the actual commercial break, this was the one. There's always one match in a televised NXT episode that goes to commercial break and doesn't do the picture-in-picture, -picture, so we do lose a bit in the match, and that, that was this. We come back, and Rush is in the ring working on Priest's arm. There's a forearm takedown by Priest, a falcon arrow by Priest, body shots to Nice by Rush, a body scissor by Nice, an Irish whip and a mud hole stomp, a come-up by Rush, which I really don't like him using in the... Okay, I don't want to criticize a wrestler because I'm not one. I don't think using your finisher in the middle of a match just to get to the next spot does anything to help your finisher. That's just my opinion. Tag to Lee, tag to Priest. The two bigger guys come in. There's a series of knockdowns by Lee. Tackles, clotheslines, tackles, clotheslines. And 
Priest is just bouncing around the ring like a ricochet ball, no pun intended. Hangman by Nice and a moonsault, head scissor by Rush, cyclone kick and a suicide dive. Apron chokeslam by Priest onto Rush, apron powerbomb again by Lee onto Priest, followed by a jackhammer, followed by a final hour by Leo Rush off the shoulders of Keith Lee, the old uh, Snuka and Andre spot. Rush and Lee get the win. Now, the one thing I will say, and this is going to lead me into a little bit of a Wednesday Night War thing, but I'm just giving you food for thought. I'm really not having a rant on AEW, at least not right now. Um, a lot of the talk throughout this match was about how these two teams are going to work together. Coming out of last week, we were like, where the hell did this tag team match come from? Now, throughout this match, they were talking about what a good tag team Leo Rush and Keith Lee made and how they could be looking forward to the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Now, the Dusty Rhodes Classic is coming up in the new year. Obviously, that's a tag team tournament. People are freaking out. Why would NXT do a tag team tournament when they don't have any tag teams? Which, I mean, it, it blatantly isn't true. First of all, they do have tag teams. Second of all, um, people are freaking out that we're just going to throw a bunch of tag teams together for the tournament, and that's going to be terrible. Well, the first tournament was won by Samoa Joe and Finn Balor, and nobody complained about that then. Third of all... People are now saying that they're only using the Dusty Rhodes tournament to take a dig at AEW because AEW has them scared. But the problem with that is, is two things. Is A, the Dusty Rhodes uh, Tag Team Classic is on its either third or fourth year. So they were doing it well, well before the existence of AEW. They were doing it before all in like it was already a thing and Cody Rhodes himself has come out on social media saying that he gave WWE the permission to use his dad's name now we all know on a side note that he's really doing that to keep the doors nice and open in WWE for when his own little project over here falls apart and he needs somewhere to go but the thing is is they're not spiting him if they're asking him permission they're not spiting him or AEW as a whole if they came to him and said, "We're gonna, can we use your dad's name for this? They're not doing that to spite him when the real reason that this tournament exists and why it's named after Dusty Rhodes is his contributions to NXT. So no matter what you think, no matter what you want to say in defense of AEW or Cody Rhodes specifically, no matter what you think of the current condition of the tag team division in NXT, it's a good thing. They're paying credit to a guy that not only paved the way for wrestling in general, but specifically paved the way in the developmental stages of this developmental brand. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing on all all layers, isn't it? Like if tag team wrestling gets better in WWE, then AEW, who are known for their tag team wrestling, needs to step up to keep up. Right now, AEW owns tag team. I've said this a million times. People say I don't give AEW credit for anything. That's absolutely not true. AEW own tag team wrestling the same way NXT owns women's wrestling unequivocally on mainstream televised pro wrestling in North America. NXT owns women's wrestling, and that was caveated and capitalized on last week with Baszler and Ripley. In the same vein, NXT or AEW rather owns tag team wrestling. Now, if somebody like WWE magically flips a coin and starts getting good at tag team wrestling again, will that not push the company that's already the best to be even better? This tournament is the developmental brand of WWE, so make some awesome tag teams and have the influence go 
completely upwards throughout WWE, improve their tag team division, which will then make AEW pay attention. And all of you out there that claim to love tag team wrestling that would absolutely sit here and jerk your fucking cocks if the Revival ever got a chance to face the Young Bucks, everybody wins with the Dusty Classic. And if one of the teams in that tournament is Keith Leo Rush, I'm going to say early prediction for winner of the tournament. And that's including actual tag teams. So it's all good. Nobody's spiting your precious Cody Rhodes. Nobody's shitting on the legacy of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes because he was part of NXT, so that doesn't make sense. It's all good. Enjoy wrestling. Enjoy this show. Enjoy brand new people like we're doing tonight. If you're like me and you don't know who Austin Theory was, tonight was a good night. If you are like me and you know who Shotzi Blackheart was and you're happy for her to be here now, it was a good night. If you like tag team wrestling, you're going to like 2020 or you're just going to stick with, with AEW. If you like women's wrestling, you're going to run Screaming for the Hills away from AEW probably to NXT. I have no voice. This is a video that I didn't think was happening tonight, so I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys are having a great holiday season. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, um, Happy Hanukkah, Happy other holidays that I'm not nearly as familiar with, Happy New Year. If nothing else, there is a lot of other stuff coming up in, uh, in 2020. I did not get a chance to do the video that I was hoping to drop on my birthday. That video still is coming. I just don't have a timetable on it yet. On a side note, once again, now that we're just rambling, many, 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 many thanks to not only my immediate circle here on YouTube that came to me on, on Facebook and Messenger and all that sort of thing to wish me a happy birthday, but those of you out there in general, probably mostly on, on Twitter, etc., or in the comment sections that took the time, took the, uh, took the initiative to wish me happy birthday through those methods as well. It really does make a difference. I know it's a couple clicks of a keyboard. Hey, Spaz, happy birthday. Carry on with your day. But a couple of clicks on the keyboard on my birthday does mean the world to me. So I really, really do appreciate it. I appreciate you coming here tonight, even though it's Boxing Day when you're listening to this. It was, it was Christmas Day when I recorded it. So technically, time travel, you're kind of spending Christmas with me. Sort of-ish. Not really. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.